Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, it's Paul here from New Zealand Sports Radio, um, giving you uh, yeah a quick chat about uh, rugby um, this weekend. Obviously, we've had the Super Rugby, um, the Super Rugby Alpaki, and also the Six Nations as well, all uh, going on this um, weekend. So lots and lots of rugby um, to talk about and too much to watch, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll let you know which ones I have seen, which ones I haven't seen. Uh, and I've not gotten any help here today to um, help me out with the ones I haven't seen. But hey, we will soldier through, don't you worry. Now, don't forget, folks, that the Drive More Show comes to 8 p.m. every single Monday. Um, and you can watch it on the New Zealand Sports Radio Facebook page, uh, the at Driving More Twitter account, or New Zealand Sports Radio. New Zealand Sports. Anyway, YouTube. Um, uh, and uh, also, uh, you can uh, catch the podcast uh, on recording. So just search for um, New Zealand Sports Radio on your favorite podcatcher um, as well. Um, and uh, don't forget, if you want to support this channel, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio uh, and uh, support me there. Uh, and also there's exclusive content on there for you as well, some of which I'll tell you about during the show. Um, so um, good evening to uh, Simon, who is uh, in the, um, uh, the, uh, the the live chat. And uh, yeah, look, an area that we haven't been covering as much recently uh, is some of the tier two stuff. Um, and Simon does say uh, congratulations to Georgia, who beat Spain to retain the European International Championship uh, and also Spain going to the Rugby World Cup, as you pointed out to us in the live chat um, last week um, as well, because of Russia um, being basically banned from rugby competition. So um, Spain off to uh, uh, 2023 uh, in France. Not that long away, is it, uh, with that one? And hence why I put a tweet out at the end after the uh, French game, which was basically saying congratulations to France to winning um, the uh, Six Nations. Um, a lot of us are already thinking about them as favourites for Rugby World Cup, but let's not, uh, think, let's not wish our lives away, folks. There's a lot of, of uh, good rugby between now uh, and next year to come. Uh, ever in Super Rugby then, and boy, oh boy, it has been a, um, a bit of a mess. And sorry, but I'm just going to open up a can of uh, beer from the old mower today. Um, and 
one thing they did do at the weekend, if you haven't looked, seen, is hello to, to Twitter and uh, you've seen my uh, mock-up of my beer can chair uh, that I'll be gluing together as soon as the rain um, stops here in New Zealand. We have a storm come through today. But what a mess the uh, Super Rugby um, turned into um, with the COVID breakouts in uh, the uh, Blues, um, Crusaders uh, and Highlanders, meaning that all three teams could not play. Uh, that meant we had one game in New Zealand at the weekend, which was the Chiefs against Moana Pacifica, catching up on one of their earlier games. The uh, game against uh, the Highlanders, oh, sorry, yeah, the game against, um, uh, was it the, uh, oh yeah, so the Hurricanes were supposed to play the Chiefs, um, but uh, they decided it's better off to try and catch up one of those Moana Pacifica games, which makes a lot of sense um, in that one. Um, Simon's saying, in hindsight, the bubble should have stayed for a little while. Um, I'm not sure hindsight really had the, that much um, in it. Essentially, we knew there was go, there was a, uh, a a peak of COVID Omicron in New Zealand coming, uh, and it was well on the way at the time. Um, the uh, uh, and that this was a likely scenario if uh, they came out of the bubble. Unfortunately, uh, the uh, players uh, basically didn't like the uh, coach trips from. Queenstown to Dunedin. Uh, now, why they didn't use Invercargill, which was closer, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, Sky uh, for the TV coverage preferred Dunedin um, and Forsyth Bar than it did to Rugby Park in um, Invercargill um, for that one. So, um, the uh, so yeah, so look, definitely uh, was um, uh, so sort of the players um, also. Um, the, uh, as, as we've seen with the Super Rugby CEOs come out and put a letter out this week, week or just for the weekend, saying, hey, uh, we want crowds back in our stadium so we can get some money, uh, which was a bit tone deaf considering three, three teams had COVID uh, and couldn't play. Um, so uh, I think the, uh, the, the obviously the uh, CEOs of the um, Super Rugby teams also wanted them out of the bubble so they could actually uh, get, get some revenue uh, from um uh, from ticket sales uh and uh yeah so basically a lot of people wanting to uh, a lot of people involved wanting to get out of that bubble and get out of the travel uh and uh, perhaps not really thinking of the uh, bigger picture uh, and actually having the games go ahead um so that's um i, I think this was this that so yeah you, you say hindsight uh but you see the super rugby alpaca has gone into a bubble just as super rugby was coming out of a bubble so you could tell that uh New Zealand Rugby uh, were aware as to what was going to go on um, and just some uh, poor decision making and some people who are not prepared to take uh, the, uh, the sacrifices required for that to uh, uh, to happen. Now, I get it. The All Blacks could be um, basically not seeing their kid, not seeing their family again until December, um, essentially, uh, which would have been um, uh, part of it. But there you, there you go with that one. Um, something goes interesting what the percentage of revenue is from crowd attendance compared to TV. Um, yes, it is bigger for TV, um, but the TV goes to New Zealand rugby, whereas the crowd goes to the actual Super Rugby franchises themselves. It's not just about um, the amount of money, but it's kind of like, where does the money go? Who gets that money? And therefore, what are the drivers um, for the different people will be different um, depending on where that um, money goes. And as he points out, the Super Rugby has got a new multi-year TV deal um, over in the UK with Sky Sports uh, in the UK and Ireland. So it's good to see um, that uh, they can watch the games as well, if they're happening. But yes, all a, a bit of a mess, um, let's be honest. 
Um, this coming weekend, uh, obviously, the, we don't know yet just which games will and won't be going ahead. Um, I did ask the uh, Chiefs media manager yesterday, hey, when will, when will we find out which games are happening? And he was like, uh, yeah, let me, <laughs> uh, I'd like to know as well, please. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so no one knows. Uh, or I couldn't find any information out uh, behind the scenes as to what may or may not be happening um, this uh, coming weekend. So Australia, though, they seem to be able to have kept things going. Um, and we had the full round of fixtures over there. So we first off, um, we had the Brumbies beating the Reds 16-12 uh, in that one. Um, obviously, a, uh, the top two teams um, in um, uh, Australia um, going head-to-head -head in a tight one. James O'Connor missing a couple of conversions, which would have been the uh, difference to make this one a draw and headers into golden points um, for this one. Showed you the tight margins. Um, at the uh, top of the game. So a tight one there. I'll be honest, not much I can say. This one's I didn't step and watch this one. I had my daughter this weekend, um, which made it um, a, uh, a bit harder for me to uh, to, yeah, say, to, to see um, this one. Um, but um, I'll uh, obviously try and catch up on the highlights at some point. I'm not being able to um, today. Uh, but yeah, Brumby's doing the business over the Reds. Well, there is uh, also been looking better. Over the past couple of weeks, not up to um, their uh, not up to top speed yet, uh, and uh, the uh, but uh, good to see them holding the, the Brumbies uh, in a tight contest there because I thought the Brumbies might take that one um, a little bit easier than that to be honest with you. Um, we then had the Fijian Drua um, up against the Western Force uh, Drua, uh, obviously with that with a win already this season up uh, over the Rebels um, coming into this one, and uh, when it went to uh, 8-17, you thought, look, the Force um, have got this one kind of under control, especially as they scored that try, the, the last try there, under the yellow, yellow card. Um, but again, um, the uh, Drua uh, came back um, like they did um, against uh, the Reds as well, wasn't it, the, the other weekend, um, to uh, get things to within a, to within one point. A missed penalty meant um, that they didn't, that they, they couldn't um, edge themselves in to the lead. Um, um, with uh, sorry, no, they, they took a one point lead. Sorry, um, a missed penalty meant they couldn't stretch it out, and uh, a penalty after the Hooter had gone um, got the win for the Western Force. So uh, Fiji and Drew are doing a real good job of uh, making comebacks uh, in the second half of games. Um, so again, definitely don't switch your TV off if you're watching these ones, um, because say big comebacks by the Fiji and Drew does seem to um, to be their style um, in this one. Um, um, this uh, th th this season, uh, over a thousand meters of uh, running in this one, which is a lot of running, which is good to which is makes makes a fun um, rugby um, in this one. As Simon said, it was game um, of uh, the of, of of the round. Um, uh, offloads, nineteen offloads by the Fiji and Drua, really playing um, to type um, in, in that uh, that kind of sense um, with that one. Um, the uh, Western Force using their uh, more structured game plan to uh, get themselves in to uh, the uh, get themselves the victory in that one. And uh, coming in to save me from an hour of monologuing, I've got um, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Paul. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the show, even if it is a little late this evening. I do apologise to everybody, but uh, work beckons and what was a very unusual day in the 09. It started off with... Uh, uh, some precipitation of uh, b biblical pre precautions and uh, proportions and ended up basically uh, a hot, steamy, sunny afternoon. So 
just shows you how weird it can be in the 09. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do a, 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 um, a not entirely dissimilar job to yourself. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I had to put off three client visits today um, because of the weather and said, and uh, to phone up and uh, get head office to move those all to tomorrow. Because, yeah, as you say, not safe to drive around um, mm. today. Uh, in, in some conditions, and I got absolutely drenched in the two shots I did go to. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, the uh, So, um, Stephen, what, what was your weekend of um, rugby watching like? Um, lots of sitting in front of the uh, um, of the box, or did you get out, out and about as well? Yeah, it, it was. Well, like a lot of families around uh, around New Zealand, we've uh, unfortunately... Uh, COVID has found its way in, into the house, but it's left just as just as quickly um, as as well, which for me was a little, little bit disappointing. I'm going to because uh, I was hoping to actually get down to Hamilton for uh, the birthday of a, a friend of the show, one John O'Connor, and a, a very belated fiftieth uh, birthday, John. If you're tuning into the show, um, I hope everything went uh, went well down on the Tron. Um, I'm pretty sure it, it, it did pull, but uh, basically, no, not really, not a lot you can can do. And I uh, think, thank God, there's a lot of sport on, and, and thank God there was a little bit of uh, Super Rugby as well as uh, Opiki Rugby as as well, Paul. Yeah, absolutely, and oh yeah, also congratulations to Con, whose uh, um, whose wife uh, has given uh, um, given birth to a uh, a baby yesterday as well. So congratulations to to them. So yeah, weekend of celebrations for uh, uh, some of the a uh, um, driving mall family um, or extended family for that one. The um, so yes, so the I say yeah, Virginia drew good 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 comebacks. Beat the West, uh, just just missing out to the to the Western Force, and um, really, uh, I think a lot of people are saying showing the 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 that yeah they should the, the Fiji should have been included in Super Rugby many years ago, um, and uh, what a joy it is getting them in there. Um, a few questions on Twitter, especially from European people saying, okay, how much of the Fijian national side is part of this Drua team? Um, not that many. The majority of them are playing in Europe. And because of the late timing of when they got their, con their, their, their contract, they haven't managed to sign that many. But we do have a number of sevens in there. We do have a number of um, of other players, of, uh, of some sort of fringe um, uh, national team members uh, in there. So uh, it's not totally devoid of... Um, uh, of, of internationals, but it's mainly got the sevens guys in there at the moment, um, rather than the uh, the fifteens. Um, I'm going to head down a rabbit hole here, Stephen. The <laughs> uh, because I've just it's just kind of one of the uh, points that came up in um, sort of pre uh, discussing all this or, or, or their scheduling, what all this sort of the selection was that um, was that this was actually going to perhaps be detrimental to the uh, sevens team um, for Fiji, um, and uh, with Fiji obviously being the best sevens men's sevens team in the world, um, and um, but with the Six Nations teams pretty much uh, universally um, taking the cash out of their, um, their their sevens teams, is the future the fifteens and um, are Fiji perhaps better served uh, focusing on fifteens as the the All Blacks and, and USA might be the only other credible oh, and, and South Africa might be the only other credible opposition in sevens. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. The sevens game up in Fiji is very strong, Paul. Um, I know there's a tournament that's held up at Coral Coast, usually in round about I think it's October, October, November. I think it is, or it might even be earlier in the year. Beg your pardon. I'm sure somebody, maybe one of our listeners, could could correct us. Um, 
there are some good good sides that rock up in this club competition that could knock over a lot of international teams on a given day. So I don't think they lack for talent, and that talent is always coming through in their in their junior ranks. In in terms of the the drawer, I think uh, what the drawer is already showing it's already promoting a few guys, um, maybe to that top Fijian side. We saw how very competitive. Fiji were against the the, the All Blacks uh, last year in those early tests where probably some of those final score, score lines didn't really do justice to how Fiji had actually played in both tests, put the All Blacks under a ton of pressure at, at, at breakdown. And once again, we're seeing guys like Meta uh, um, Meta and Nagusa, the captain, who are all showing they are very, very good players and more than holding their own in, in Super Rugby. And we're seeing that with... Uh, G. Ravovo at second five, who's just been a, a revelation. So all of a sudden, it's building another level of depth that they don't always have to go too far to get. It's within an arm's reach, Paul, and you don't have to negotiate with clubs to uh, get those players on board when they when they are playing those mid-year tests, especially uh, end, of, end, end, of, end of year. Well, that's always tough, as we, as we know, but at least you've got that extra depth coming through. And, you know, you get a guy like uh, Frank Lamani, who's a world-class halfback. And, you know, in those last two two games, what he's brought to this team, I think has just given them a little bit more of a spark. Yeah, look, uh, and one of the things we've said about this, but also about this, the, some of the All Blacks players, I mean, like um, Carl Twinakapi, um, it's opportunities. There, 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 there are players out there who can do it. They just need... Um, it, and, and luck and uh, timing opportunity does play a part um, in all of this as well. So uh, uh, it's, scouting is perhaps going to be the Drew's biggest um, uh, biggest issue. And if you get the scouting right, the other bits will look after itself um, kind of thing. Um, I, do, I do think uh, there, were, there were some comments about um, say, oh, Shane Kerr wasn't playing the weekend, but I thought the previous weekend he proved to be a bit of a uh, turnstile at fullback. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah. happy. Uh, I, was, I, I, was, I, I think it's um, I think he's come in Helps about settle things down and then just uh, just, just disappear into the background. Uh, might be nice yeah, for him and let, let, let the Fijians actually play. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, Paul. I think he was one of those pickups because they thought, oh, here's a guy with a, a bit of experience, might win us some games just with his, with his boot alone. But I, I think what you've got to take into account, it's been a few years since Baden Kerr has played this level of, of super rugby. And of course, I don't think he's ever been the greatest defender anyway, and I think probably even more exposed as he's gone into that number 15 jersey. But also, I just want to touch, quickly touch on a, another player as well in the front row, Kaleo Pasi uh, Ului Lakepa, who we all know has had his issues in and around conditioning. All of a sudden, he's rocked across to the drawer, lost about 12 or 13 kgs, and doesn't look a bad sort of, half-bad sort of loose-head prop. And, um, you know, all of a sudden... Here's, a, here's another prop that maybe with a little bit more time in the saddle could go on to play international rugby for Fiji. Uh, maybe uh, the fact that they're they're away from family in uh, in Australia in a kind of uh, in camp kind of thing where people where where, where a nutrition, nutritionist is looking after his yeah. meals might be helping <laughs> as well. So who knows yeah. when they get back to normality if if, if he still keeps the uh, still keeps, yeah. keeps, keeps kgs off. Yeah. Maybe being away from Burger King and Whangarei, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Look, it's, sometimes it's good to have your uh, sometimes have your network around you, and sometimes it's good to get away from people who are perhaps not the best influence yeah. <laughs> to, to professional <laughs> life um, as well on, uh, on that one. 
Um, so, um, uh, so yes, a good, good, uh, another good performance by um, the, uh, the 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 Drua, um, but uh, but not the win uh, this time. Western Force um, showing that they are kind of that probably that third team uh, in. Oh well, um, well actually, I'm trying to think the 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 order now of the teams in Australia. Probably yeah, the Brumbies, Reds, um, Waratahs, Force, Drua, and then um, uh, then your Rebels at the bottom there. So yeah, so putting themselves into that so. Competition force there, there along with the Waratahs. Moving on then, and we had the first game at Mount Smart, or the first comp competition game at Mount Smart for Moana Pacifica, um, up against the Chiefs, the same as their preseason game. But the preseason game was um, three games of, or a game of three thirds, um, rather than um, rather than halves. Pardon me. So um, um, the uh, this was going to be um, different. Um, look, the Chiefs went out to be um, big winners. Um, in the end, the Chiefs missing um, something like 18 to 20 players through COVID in this, but still um, put um, a team out there uh, with only uh, one halfback in um, Brad Webber, which meant that he had to play through um, the uh, whole of um, uh, the game there. Um, and a game that um, uh, was kind of in the balance until around halftime when when uh, the Chiefs went bang, bang. Nowhere, um scored a good try just before halftime. Uh, James Lowe won after half time, and suddenly it went from being 7 12 out to 7 24, um, and the game was gone uh, at that point. So, uh, one that, uh, yeah, the, the the Moana managed to keep themselves in it for the first 40 minutes, uh, but then, as I say, because it was that one try just after the Hooter, uh, and that essentially um, was, was was where it all went out, where, where it all went wrong, and they just ran out of puff, really. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I think the other factor to throw into the equation as well, that was their second game since the 5th of February as well, remembering that they had, they have already played the Crusaders and, and put in a sterling effort there. And, and once again, leading into halftime, it looked like they might the Chiefs might just go in with a, a five-point lead, but that try just before halftime to Imoni um, Narawa just... I think just broke their back, but more importantly as well, they'd been on several warnings in and around their their, their discipline as as well, and, and just at times not really uh, treating the um, treating p p position um, with a little bit more care is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, they did get um, territory and possession at 40, 40 42 percent, so they did have some. Um, so it wasn't a, a totally dominant game, but it was uh, by the was dominating the whole game, but the Chiefs were just more clinical um, around putting away um, their opportunities in that, um, uh, say, in that second half. There, um, a few a few players that haven't haven't um, had much game time with the Chiefs. Um, Caleb Trask, um, someone who runs much bigger um, than, uh, than than his weight, a player that I always feel a bit scared for because he runs into bigger bodies a lot and has had some injuries in the past. Um, Narwa, you talked about. Uh, but also Remiki Pohippi um, got some game time as well. Lachlan Mc, uh, McFunnel came back uh, back into the side. So, um, and uh, Hamilton Burr on uh, debut um, as well, the uh, Scottish player um, who uh, plays for Waikato. Uh, so, yeah, look, I mean, a, uh, a bit of a mixed match, uh, or, or, or a team from the uh, Chiefs, but they still got um, uh, got the job done. Uh, with um, with that one, and then finally the Waratahs played the Rebels. I say I've not another one I've not seen. So it was late um, in this one. 
um, but uh, one where um, the uh, Waratahs 14-6 at, um, at halftime, um, the uh, finished um, with, the, with the Rebels coming back in the second half to uh, lose by just five points, 24 um, to 19. But um, looking at the stats on this one, Stephen, um, the uh, Rebels had plenty of um, opportunities in this one, dominating territory and possession, um, but um, their tackling was woeful um, and they just turned the ball over, coughed the ball up 20 times. Um, that is um, pretty horrendous and gave up 14 scrums. That's another 14 knock-ons and 20 and 20 turnovers. Uh, they really were well, giving the game to the Tars. Yeah, just did right, Paul. They just left themselves just far too much to do. You know, there was some, <clears throat> like you say, they, they are capable of holding on to the, the ball for, for long periods, but they tend to go, <clears throat> excuse me, from side to side. And that's very much where they get punished is when they when they basically lo- do lose the ball and there's, <clears throat> there's turnovers and, uh, you know, probably better illustrated by um, uh, Fulkiti with his try whilst it was a very, very good in, 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 individual individual try. Once again, it just really came from originally just <clears throat> the turnover ball and then a few minutes later, the, probably the best try of the game uh, scored by Will Harris. Um, who certainly made a, making a statement at this uh, level of rugby. Remembering a year ago, this Waratahs team, they just seemed like a young bunch, but a lot of these guys are starting to stand up in their uh, in their second year. And I, I see a Wallaby squad. You might want to talk about that later. There's a few Waratahs in the Wallaby squad as as well. As for the Rebels, you know, they showed a little bit of heart towards the end, but I, I don't think they ever seriously threatened to win this game, game whilst probably getting a lot closer than a lot of us had thought. Yeah, I think a lot less than others have thought. Um, and uh, joining us is Bella. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Uh, sorry for the uh, lateness. Club rugby commitments took uh, a little bit longer than I anticipated on a Monday night. But uh, no, good to be on the show. And uh, it's always uh, nice to uh, be part of the show. So I hope everyone is well. and hope everyone's coming along. I was about to say, boy, with that beige shirt on, I thought you might have been out in the mangroves or the estuary of um, South South Auckland there. Well, I, I was yesterday in anticipation uh, of the uh, storm today. So hopefully uh, got everything I wanted to do yesterday and I avoided today, which was a, a very, very bad weather day. That it was. Um, and uh, I thought it was more Beige Brigade than, uh, than, than perhaps that, but uh, <laughs> the old cricket that's been going on recently, but there we go. Um, so that's sort of the round of, of Super Rugby. One of the things, uh, there's two stats I've been looking at over the first four rounds to see, because I, I had this theory um, that, um, that basically as the rounds went on, we would, uh, basically teams would get better uh, and less rusty, and therefore some of these stats should change. Now, I'm not sure if you can really read this, so I'll just um, perhaps show it in two halves. Um, instead. But what I've collected is the uh, number of scrums and number of turnovers per round. As you can see, in the first couple of rounds there, we had um, 19 and 18 scrums on this is average number per, per game and uh, 27 and 28 turnovers. Uh, rounds two and four, again, 18 and 17 scrums, not much change there, um, and turnovers at 28 um, and 24. And then in this last round, We've dropped now down to 16 scrums per game uh, and went back, but up slightly to 26 turnovers again. So from looking at the stats there, what I'm seeing is is perhaps a, a, a slowly, a slight, de- uh, well, a, a decreasing number of, well, there is a decreasing number of scrums per game, which suggests that handling um, is getting better uh, and that players are more 
aware of where each other is um, for passing and are putting more more passes are going to hand. But the number of turnovers um, seems to be not certain, not significantly going down. Um, okay, it was 27 and 28 over the first three rounds. We're at 26 now, but that's up from last week. So the uh, efficiency at the ruck doesn't seem to have improved as much as I thought it might do uh, from an attacking point of view. Uh, but um, but the handling does seem to improve. Is uh, did you feel that's what's happened over the? Um, actually, you're the stats, but um, Boa, do you think that's what's uh, what we're seeing? Uh, look, uh, one one key point, and this is something I've been tracking over the super rounds, is the the policing of the breakdown is is very loose. It's very casual. Uh, sometimes it resembles uh, you know Olympic diving in a pool. Players leave constantly leaving mm-hmm. their feet. Um, and this is an area which is not being policed the way it's supposed to be. For me, one of the biggest frustrations from a coaching point of view is players leaving their feet and simply piling on the the, the tackle player using their forearms and basically wedging and sealing the, the ruck off, effectively killing the, uh, the contest, the breakdown. So what this does is it then um, reflects as if the possession uh, the flow of possession is a lot better, albeit through uh, illegal tactics. Whereas if you go back a couple of seasons when uh, a memo came out from World Rugby as well as New Zealand Rugby saying that, you know, the, the the would-be tackler, if he's going to contest the ball at the breakdown, you only get one chance. You have to hold your body position, hold your shape. You can't lose your uh, uh, footing. And as soon as you go over... Uh, you know, you go over that point of no return, it's going to be a penalty. So this year, we're not seeing that. And and that is now reflecting uh, on exactly what, you, what you're stating. So it's not necessarily the quality of the game has actually improved. It's just that this particular area is not being policed the way it's supposed to. Uh, my only fear is that this will not necessarily convert to a successful formula once the international season starts, because we saw this last year when the All Blacks played, we simply got our backsides handed to us in the breakdown, particularly in the ruck area. So I'm starting to see a similar pattern going forward. Uh, it's what we call a lazy ruck, where players will just come in, basically fall over, get into that bear crawl position and and, and seal the ball off. The, um, the and, and yeah, Akeith has pointed this out as well in the uh, send the All Blacks. Um, if they do what they're doing, they're going to get pinged. So yeah, uh, in, interesting. Um, we'll, we'll see how I'll, I'll, I'll keep a track of those scrums and turnovers um, there in that one uh, and see how it changes. Now remember, that's not just for the New Zealand teams; it's also for the Australian teams as well. That's in there. Um, so uh, it's across both of them, and as to how both of them might appear or, or might fare when it comes to um, international rugby. And remember. The All Blacks have got Ireland coming up, um, one of the four teams in world rugby, as long as they can keep Johnny Sexton fit. Um, the um, but um, that's uh, so that is there, and we'll keep an eye on that one over the next uh, few of them. Now, Nocturnal Wright says the consistent skill level is less than previous years. I'm a little disappointed. Um, yes, I get that, but I think what we also and it's a question I put to some of the um coaches in Super Rugby or Pacquiao, I've not done so uh in Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the men's game side of things was just that what does it feel like as a coach not knowing which t- which player is going to be available today for training um, when you've got play when you've got up to 20 players which I think the uh, I say the the Chiefs have got nearly I've, I've got somewhere between 18 and 20 players missing 
um, according to reports, and they actually played at the weekend. Whereas um, when you think that the uh, the Highlanders, the Blues, and the Crusaders um, have uh, will have similar, if not more, numbers than that. Uh, if you can't, if you don't know who you got training each week or each day, uh, and, you, and it's, it's that's very disruptive, uh, and it and it's difficult to get the skill level right, isn't it, boys? Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. You know, things like you know com- combinations is is a really big thing, and you can't grow combinations if you're practically practically bringing in 60 or 70 percent of new players so um paul one paul and steve one thing i have to say is with this whole covid situation i think high performance nzr have to be a little bit more flexible and give coaches of the super franchises more discretion on who actually plays Forget about managing minutes forget about wrapping players in cotton wool you just pick, you, you know you pick your best side and play them uh, give them the, the game time and run them every week. Uh, of course, you have to manage injuries and certain workloads. But what's actually happening is we're starting, we're using a template which was two years old in 2022. And from a coaching point of view, this to me is is a big question mark. And hopefully this does not show its ugly head once we enter into the international season. So uh, I think it's the, it will impact the... Um, uh, how, how the well, if we carry, if we continue this way for the rest of Super Rugby, then it's clearly going to impact the players heading into that international season. Uh, the All Blacks tend to have their slowest game first game up. Um, Ireland have never won in New Zealand, uh, so that first Test match I think is going to be their best opportunity, uh, and we'll just have to wait and see um, how that um, uh, how that all um, pans out with that one. Um. Moving on, Super Rugby Alpaki. We've had two rounds since the last show. Um, in round two, we saw the Chiefs beat uh, the Hurricanes 29-8 and the Blues um, beat uh, Mata'atu uh, 21-10. Uh, that was followed up this um, weekend uh, with um, on Sunday with um, Mata'atu losing to the Hurricanes 6-18 um, and the Blues losing to the Chiefs 0-35. Uh, not a great, um, uh, well, it wasn't really a final, but it was a final in, every, in everything but name there in that one. And because it was um, uh, so uh, dominated by the Chiefs, particularly in the second half, in the first half, um, less so, but uh, they, they pulled away with it. Um, but what have, you, what have been your thoughts from uh, from what, what you've been seeing from Super Rugby Alpaki? Well, uh, again, the focus on core skills, uh, the, the breakdown, physicality, uh, ball handling, and also playing basics. I think that area needs to be inspected quite thoroughly. Um, and also, I, I have to say, very disappointed with the way the Blues got, th- you know, hiding by 35 points to zip. And I think, Steve, you uh, shared uh, some uh, video footage of the teams. Uh, and, yeah, you, you're right. You bang on the money there because it really reflects on your, your attitude on the day. Uh, and when you're playing first-class rugby at the highest level, uh, for your for your region, you know, you you got to turn up and be serious about it. So uh, it was very inconsistent. The skill level was sort of up and down. Um, I, I wasn't particularly happy about the contacts and collisions. There were a lot of high shots, and that's uh, usually a direct uh, correlation with fitness and conditioning. Um, and again, you have to you have to keep in mind this whole thing got jammed into a 10, 10 11 days. Uh, so look. To me, it wasn't the ideal tournament. It was 
made out to be uh, but under the circumstances you know um, it is what it is uh, but overall I, i have to say very underwhelming very very underwhelming yeah obviously covid <clears throat> didn't help things i i see that particular game i think <clears throat> that was very much the chiefs fourth game if you included their first preseason game against matatu where i think the blues have probably only played they may have played may have had a preseason hit out and then we count that one game they had against matatu last week and to be honest they they side that no preseason no preseason no preseason set out hit out they had 20 no, minutes no, yeah yeah no preseason hit outs whatsoever you think back to their win last last week i thought they were a little bit fortunate against matatu i thought matatu were the better side or looked the more fluent side and i don't think this blues team ever looked that fluent, but I, I just quickly want to touch on what the video that I sent through for anybody who, who's watching the show. I know when it comes to women's sport, criticism can be a, a, a really sensitive uh, point in this day and age, but the video basically shows the Chiefs team walking out and they just looked amped for it. You know, there was, there was it, it, they looked like a quiet, quiet, staunch confidence where the Blues basically ran out and um, yeah, they were high-fiving everybody in the crowd and it's not, it, it should be fun. Sport should be fun. But at, at that particular level, you know, you can have your fun as well and you can switch on when you go to work. And it just had that impression about it. And, of course, when they were stuck under under the pump, they really, did, they really didn't handle it at the end of the day, despite what I thought with the official was a, a bit of an inconsistent performance. Uh, for mine, but I'm saying that that's not decrying anything away from the Chiefs. Manawa, they were they were the dominant side of this competition, and they they deserve this inaugural title. No no question whatsoever. But unfortunately for me, there's a lot of unanswered questions as well. I, look, if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Again, I, I'm, I've, got, I've got three clip, video clips to, 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 or post-match interviews to talk about some of, these, some of these issues we're talking about here. Um, so you can see the players think 
um, uh, and, and the head co and the coaches think around some of these things. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're quite right. There's um, you've got a whole bunch of players here. You've got yeah, within the within the Chiefs, as you say, the ones that had the best preparation in the fact that they had all those games. They also played last year um, in that exhibition game as well. Um, they've got five players in that pack that have started all five games. So the exhibition game, the preseason game, and three games here. So the front row, the number eight and the number seven have played every single game, have, oh, sorry, started every single game. So that level of, um, of connectivity is just not there with the other teams. Um, next up, they've uh, also, if you look at their back line, who have they got in there? They've got um, Stacey, um, Kelly Brazier, um, Portia, Ruby Tui, um, a, num um, a number of players who are used to being full-time professional athletes and know what it means to be a full-time professional athlete. You compare that to the other teams where you've got a player I did an interview with, and I don't I can't think of if I published it or not from the Blues, um, who basically who is a uh, doing a, um, a postgraduate degree, or sorry, doing a graduate degree, I think, or postgraduate degree in um, patent law with Fisher and Peichel, um, who is having to continue doing that with, within within the bubble, um, got told a week beforehand, hey, we've got an injury, can you come down and play? And she's starting at six of the Blues. Um, the, so you've, you've, the, that's, your, it, that's the different levels we've got here within this. Has this got a long... Uh, so has is this the finished article? Absolutely nowhere near. Right, There's a lot of things wrong with this. Um, but we are in season... And we'll end, I, I talked to a player who's played Super W... And we, we talk about the differences between them, or at least some of them. Um, Super W is in its fifth year this year. Um, we're in our first year. Uh, why is New, New Zealand rugby slow to the party? That's another issue entirely. Uh, well, that, that's, that's one of the issues here that's causing this, uh, is that these players just don't have the experience of, 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 what, of how to behave, how to act, um, what it takes to win games. And I think we saw that with the Blues running out there. They just didn't know what they were letting themselves in for a lot of those players um the some of those players have never been in a bubble or in, in a high performance environment like they are now where they're actually training every day and it's like wow i get up and have breakfast breakfast is there and well, well this is all <laughs> this is all strange to me um and actually let, let's just have a quick listen from the um blues captain aroha savage uh about some of this uh, about some of this stuff Definitely. We've been waiting for this opportunity for a long time now. Um, and judging by the last tour for the Black Ferns, the Northern Tour, um, you can just tell that we're quite a bit behind in terms of experience at the next level. So having this opportunity for the girls to play at a higher level than FPC is, is, is just awesome. And um, to be honest, the preparation was probably not the best with the COVID um, happening and all the bubble life and all that kind of stuff. So whether player welfare was um, prioritised or not um, is pretty questionable because our, the quality of the game could have been far more better if it was pushed. The tournament was pushed out a bit. So um, yeah, the preparation could have been so much better for the players in general. Looking at for one of the players to actually say player welfare was it really taken into account? 
uh, it's very rare to see someone come out and say that. Uh, well done to her for saying it, because um, no one else did. Um, <laughs> I'll be blunt. Um, but yeah, this was not, she, she said that, we have not been given the, opp the opportunity basically to play like we should do um, because of this. It's not been right. But it's happened, which is better than, than not happening. But it's, yeah, to me, that's about the most we can take out is a couple of players have been able to put their hands up for Blackburn selection that might not, not have done. But apart from that, I think it's more a matter of it just happened uh, and that is a long, long way to go to make this a proper competition. Um, we'll just quickly hear from Alan Bunting, who is the Chiefs um, head coach um, for this uh, as well, to, to, to one of the comments he made about this. And remember, this is the team that we've said was the best prepared, has had the most games, um, and was the most and was the best out of, out of all the teams. It's, it's great, you know, all the you know the best you know, players around the country all coming together and competing. It's it's great, you know. But I feel like right now we're ready to probably have had enough preparation to start the competition. You know, the competition started now and played from from, from this point. I think you know, you know, it'll be a, a better quality game. So there is he saying basically. We're now ready to play rugby. <laughs> this is effectively what a pre-season should have been, is, is what the tournament has been. Oh. Um, and, and we're talking here about the best team there. They're like, yes, now we're ready to play some rugby. And it's like, wow, okay, yeah, this... Um, and I, there's, it's not only you guys that have made some comments about the refereeing. I've seen some in, in, the, in, in various um, articles and stuff I've read as well. Um, and again, the referees are not used to playing at this level, are not used to refereeing at this level and at this pace and with these players. And they need to up their game as well. Um, so I, every single part of this tournament needs to be more professionalised. Um, there is no, I mean, the, probably the only bit that was fully professional is the coverage from, from Sky. It's the same level as anything else. Everything else is Harland Championship level um, and, and has got a long way to go to become super, to be honest. Yeah, Paul, Paul in summary, I think they were sold a dummy, a really big <laughs> dummy. Well, the players or the or, the, or Sky or who, who who's been sold a dummy? Oh, I think the players were sold a really big dummy. Seriously, um, in, in, in terms of the way it's, if if you think about the preparation, the build up that these teams had, I don't think, I think only one of those teams had had the best possible preparation. As as far as I'm concerned, probably the next one was probably Matatu, who probably played three games, and I can't recall. Uh, if the power had basically played um, too many preseason games as as well, no, so, so, so Masatu played preseason and four games. Yeah. Um, uh, power had a twenty-minute uh, contact hit out the same weekend as round one with the Blues, um, just to make sure that their players wouldn't die when it came to when it came to actually playing a game, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, and um, the uh, and yeah, so basically that's. Um, the uh, the look the, the the problem here is that players, uh, as I've said, uh, the majority or at least half, probably more, over half of these players, um, are well, are, are only are only contracted for this for these few weeks. Mm. They got COVID at the beginning, they lost a couple of weeks, and they couldn't finish. They couldn't move the end date because they've all got to go back to work, and they lose over half their players. Um, so I get what um. Um, what Roja Savage was saying about yeah we should have pushed this we should have pushed the tournament out 
unfortunately, they couldn't. Um, and it was rock and a hard place. Uh, what, what, what do we do? Do we cancel it and then not have a tournament at all? Or do we put this together? Um, and it's not turn right. It says it's a start. And I say the fact that it happened, in fact, a couple of players managed to put their hands up for Black Ferns is all we've got from this and a lot of lessons on how to do it yeah. better. Yeah, but, but we'll leave it on a on a positive note. <clears throat> uh, if anything, it, it probably highlighted a few girls that I'd I'd never seen before play at a higher level. Carrie Stillinger, um, who was the um, <clears throat> the first five for Hurricanes uh, uh, power, she just basically showed what a what a what a classy footballer she is. You know, got a good offload game, um, very good goal kicker. So and there's a, and there's a couple of a couple of others even in that beaten blues team I thought the two young locks uh, stood out relative, relatively well so there were some positives to come I, out of I, it. I've been, I, I've been sort of next about, about the thing as a whole. I've enjoyed going on to the games. I've enjoyed watching the. I've enjoyed watching the games. I've enjoyed interacting with them. Um, and I'd like to finish off with a interview with um, Michaela Leonard, uh, one of two um, Wallaroos who has been playing in this competition. Now she's been playing Super W. So I thought it'd be good to ask her, how does Super Rugby Alpaki compare to um, Super W? Be able to do much travel because of the, the bubbles and uh, being stuck in uh, hotel rooms in Taupo. Um, but uh, this is the first year of this and Super W has been going up, well, this will be its fifth year. Uh, how has it compared to, um, to, to, to Super W over in Australia? Yeah, so there's that, I guess, that little difficulty in comparing them with that COVID bubble format that we've had this year. We saw it last year over in, um, Australia for the same reasons. Um, outside of that, I think the the formatting makes it difficult. It's such a short period of time for the teams to gel and to, to actually get their structures going. Um, that said, I think the the mana and the, the spirit in the Matatu Fano has been incredible and, and it's been amazing to be part of and to get out there and see what the girls um, can put out. I think the competition as a whole, the, the speed of the game has probably been something that's I've noticed the most, um, just that free-flowing game that you guys love to play over here has been really cool and really, I guess, um, a challenge to experience and adjust to. I think there's, I guess, having that benefit that we've had five seasons over in Oz and this is the first season, there are some differences, I guess, in, as I mentioned, um, I guess just that gelling, continuity of play, um, teams being pretty new, having not much time together, which I'm sure will grow as Super um, Opiki grows and continues on. Um, but yeah, I can't see, wait to see how they both develop and hopefully see Trans-Tasman in the next few years. Absolutely. So we go, so yeah, so the, talking there about the, uh, the, this, it's got a lot of yeah, gelling and a lot of growing uh, and just getting comfortable and, and, and things um, to go. So uh, I will put that full interview up on my Patreon page. Um, so if you would like to uh, get the full interview with her, I talked to her how, about how she got her opportunity over here as well. Um, then... Uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash nz sport radio and i put it up over there as a uh, as, as a podcast um with the my, my, my chat i had with her after the uh, after the game as well um six nations boys now since bo has already been talking about um uh, about how is how are we going to how will the all blacks cope when it comes to um, the international season uh, the final round of six nations um, apparently, Italy should be kicked out of the tournament, Boa. They, uh, but they somehow they, uh, they they beat Wales. Well, to be fair, there were no red cards this year for Wales. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that, that was the, the key difference. And look, to to, to be to be fair, uh, 
Italy won thanks to one man's, you know, brilliance that that was out of this world. Um, look, Italy have been playing good rugby in patches, uh, but they just haven't been, you know, finishing it off. Um, it's it, it just so happened that uh, you know uh, perfect draw they met Wales uh, without red cards, and <laughs> that, that finally gave them an opportunity to to break the duck. Uh, but yeah, look, in all, all fairness, that was, uh, you know, it was a riveting finish. You you couldn't kind of write it, you know, in a Hollywood script the way <laughs> the game finished. And the last, the, the very last moment when the Italian uh, winger made the break and he was tearing down on the, the right-hand corner, you could actually see the medic pointing towards the mouth. <laughs> and then the Dutch <laughs> judge actually slaps his hand down and races to make sure that he stays abreast with the play and then there's a brilliant inside pass yeah uh back hung on to it and went under the sticks and what once that kick went over i mean it was it was theater you know and, and you couldn't ask for a better uh place so, and now it's of course called millennium but uh <laughs> millennium stadium cardi farms park one of the greatest sporting theaters in the world uh well done italy it was uh one for the highlight reel it's not Cardiff Arms Park. Cardiff Arms Park is down the road where Cardiff plays. That's original Cardiff Arms Park. This is Millennium Stadium now called um, oh something else. Millennium, Millennium Stadium is the, is, is the real name. Under Armour Stadium, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, some 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 sponsor there. Um, and uh, I, I did like how um, was it Josh Adams who got the man of the match, and he gave mm. his man of the match medal to the Italian winger at the end, because he's like, yeah, no, you're the man of the match. Here's, here's the medal. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I think part, part of that might be the fact that uh, along with Toby Falatel, him and both him and Toby Falatel got their uh, communication wrong. And of course the man, Angie Kupuoso found his way through that gap and then scooted down the sideline. And, and um, of course I sent you guys a, a video or video clip of the, uh, an Italian commentary, which sounded more like a football Commentary, but I thought the only thing that that was missing from a, co- a commentary was uh, Angie Kupuoso. Remember the name. <laughs> I thought that was about the only thing that probably uh, we we didn't have. But man, it was a great bit of skill. It was a great run, and boy, he's listed in Wikipedia at what sixty eight kgs. Although a couple of other people have said to me he's more around the seventy six kg mark. But my God, that makes him. Four kgs lighter than Damian McKenzie. That's pretty small for for international rugby. But boy, what a what a way to bring yourself into international rugby! You score two tries off the bench a week ago against Scotland, and of course you you basically mastermind the winning try against Wales, a game that you haven't won for seven years. My God, I I reckon he would have been on the front page of most Italian newspapers when that when the Azaru uh, basically arrived home. Yeah, it's very uh, well, well done with them uh, to, to to get that win. Uh, they they have been better this year, this season. Uh, unfortunately, injuries have been a real issue for them. They, they they've got one of the thinnest players players, well, one of the smallest player pools, and therefore one of the thinnest squads. When they lose a few players, they really struggle. And um, and uh, so yeah, so to get this win is is fantastic at the end of um, end of the tournament. Obviously, Wayne Pivak now having gone from. Um, Getting sort of uh, get, get get well, they were they were champions, but not Grand Slam, weren't they? From last year, um, with uh, when they went because last the last calendar year there were five red cards given to teams playing Wales, 
um, which um, must be a record. I can't imagine any other team has ever had uh, that um, five cards and team five red cards against teams against them in a calendar year. Uh, this year, look um, again. Italy have got uh, sorry. Wales have also got all their injuries, but Wales um, regularly uh, have lots of injuries. I mean, that's just that's normal for Wales uh, in this one. Um, Alwyn Jones coming back and playing um, mm. a, a, a record test match, and he deliberately wanted to play Italy at home. Well, one of the kind of listening to the attacking scrum podcast is like, oh look, he wants to do it against Italy, and, and all his other milestone games have been losses. Come back and play Italy and get and get and do it with a win. Oops, all went a bit wrong there. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And and I, and I think that disappointment probably came through somebody like Dan Dan Bigger, who I think was who was the skipper skipper for the team for the day. Very, very disappointed as, and and basically just wanted his team to, to get off the pitch. But yeah, probably not. Well, not you know. I, I hope he thought long and long and hard about it. Whilst it whilst it it, it wasn't Wales Day. At the at the end at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, I think you got to look at the look at the bigger picture, and they were outplayed by by a team that um, took took their op- took their opportunities. And boy, not only I'm just going to say, not just that, they almost scored another brilliant try from their own in in goal area as as well. And, and man, it's fantastic to see. And it just seems as though Kieran Crowley has just got this team maybe just playing a little bit more of an expensive style and with some of these young guys that are coming through in their under under 20 program that's just extracting a little bit of flair into the side and it's it's great to, it's great to see yeah look re- re- really happy for Kieran Crowley Could, couldn't happen to a nice couldn't happen to a nicer guy and uh yeah that uh that try which was almost a try uh, was only Josh Adams he came flying in and it was a brilliant tackle on the corner wow it was just uh uh, you know, I think it was uh, it was Monty Yuani on the left wing. Uh, yeah. yeah, spectacular stuff. So r- look, really, really happy for um, Italy. Hopefully, they can kind of you know build some momentum from this, albeit at the bottom end of the Six Nations. Uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where to where where to from now for Wales, particularly Wayne Pivak, because there'll be some big uh, you know there'll be there'll be some calls for him uh, to, you know, exit. So it's going to be interesting times at Wales, which is cute. Yeah, look, people have not been happy with Wayne Pivak, even when he's been winning. Uh, the, the style of rugby has not been there, as you say. A lot of it has come down. A lot of it's been seen as being luck with those red cards um, rather than actually a good game plan um, that's working. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see We'll see what happens to Wayne Pivak. Um, moving on, though, and uh, a man who isn't uh, about to lose his job is um, Mr. Farrell, uh, who's just uh, beat Scotland um, 26 to 5, or his team did uh, there. Uh, Scotland, uh, what is going on with them at the moment? They come back from their last game um, where they um, lost, um, sorry, they beat Italy, and um, four players, uh, uh, including um, the captain, Hogg, Finn Russell, Ali Price, uh, so three British and Irish Lions and also two Pilotu, go out for a beer uh, in a pub and break the bubble. Now, um, is there anything big about going out for a beer? No, there isn't. Is there something big about your captain and two of your senior players breaking agreed team rules? Yes, there is. Um, 
things clearly are not happy in the um, uh, in 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 the Scotland camp. Something is going wrong there. Uh, Townsend has not got his leadership team on board, uh, and fine, they can say, "Oh yeah, things have been patched up and it, it's been dealt with." We're going. We're all focused on the game. Damn bullshit. Um, at the end of the day, they need that. That's. I've got a funny feeling that Townsend needs to go, unfortunately, um, because he's just not got the players on side. Yeah, look, uh, gentlemen, I, I have to say something regarding coaches. I think the modern day, because the demands are so high and clear, because you know everyone's trying to get one one on top of each other as far as innovation, competitive advantage, analysis, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. I think uh, lifespan of coaches need to be significantly looked at. My view of the world is that we can't have the same coach uh, coaching for too long. Uh, all it does is it just brings in a, a level of staleness. We've got to keep that edge, the innovation, <laughs> and hopefully, you know, this this doesn't come in come and bite the All Blacks on the backside with uh, what's currently happening. Um, but if you look at all, you know, all coaching patterns and coaching personnel, particularly do with guys like Eddie Jones. Uh, you know, we're starting to see a significant lack of innovation and uh, some of the players not responding to some of the tactics and strategies they bring on game day. So I think this needs to be really looked at. Gregor Townsend's um, no different. He had his patch of brilliance. And the reality is now you're only as good as your last game. People have very, very short memory spans. Uh, you know, you could be, uh, I mean, look, 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 look what's happened to Mr. Wayne Pivak. I mean, Wayne's not the most lovable of people or coaches because, you know, he's, He's very abrasive and he's very black and white. Um, last year, he was a hero. And now, you know, everyone's almost everyone's actually calling for his head. So I think there has to be a level of freshening up. Uh, and I think coaches, much like players, need sabbaticals as well. And this is something high performance has to look at. Last year at NZR high performance um, workshop, I, I put this across. Uh, and some of the coaches went, whoa, what's this guy on about? But I think... There is merit to uh, a sabbatical for coaches purely to give them a chance to go away, get get a bit of a refresher, and actually, uh, you know, energize themselves with a bit of innovation. Um, I I, I, I see we go for. I think things. You, yeah, you do need to keep things from go stop them from going going stale. There are a number of ways of doing that. I mean, uh, you don't necessarily have to take a sabbatical to do that. I remember um, when um, uh, our Gee, not Steve Hansen, not before him. Oh, gone blank. When Ted was in charge, um, him, Hansen, and um, Wayne Smith um, switched roles to try and to, to to try and freshen things up. Whereas before, so whoever was 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 attack coach became uh, set piece coach, and set piece coach became became defense coach, and 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 so forth. So um, um, the you can go off in between times and go and sit with well go and learn from an nfl team to to give yourself during your off season there are other ways of doing it necessarily than taking special but you, you are quite right you do have to keep freshening things up i'm not sure any jones's way of um, basically changing all the assistant coaches every every other year um is the way to do that but um yep. but hey that's uh, that england environment has changed a lot paul i was going to say there's a, <clears throat> a really good example of a of a team that's that's freshened themselves up with a coach listen joe joe Schmidt was in charge of the uh, of the Irish team there for uh, 
for for a good period of time and it took that team to some really really you know really good victories over the over the all blacks i think you might have got a grand somewhere in there there's a grand slam as well a couple of other other good good results maybe one against the springboks too um as as well but I think the change has just come at the perfect time because we all of a sudden we're seeing Andy Farrell stamping his own mark on on this Irish team. Boy, they're, they're, they're tough up front. And once again, whilst it, it wasn't a vintage Irish performance, they still knew how to muscle uh, out-muscle Scotland when they can. And at, at, at times showed the flair that they're capable. And that flair has all come from, uh, in my opinion, Andy Farrell's coaching and a lot of that, especially through his rugby league background. The, I mean, Joe Smith had a uh, winning record against South Africa and Australia, um, 4-2 and 3-2 with records against those two teams, Australia and uh, South Africa. Um, the only teams he didn't have a winning record against were England um, and, uh, and New Zealand uh, and also Wales, where he had a, uh, well, actually, no, he had 1-1, 1-5, drew 1, lost 4. So, again, he had a winning record there. So, he had a winning record against every team apart from England and New Zealand, and he got two wins over New Zealand when um, they uh, never... Um, had uh, ha- um, had um, had had that one. Um, the um, uh, so um, the so yeah so that's so so look he had, he had a fantastic record there with them. What he what what Farrell is doing, which Joe Smith also managed to do, was to was to have a team that was doing really well between rugby world cups. Um, and the real test of Farrell will be: does he have a good team going in twenty twenty three, or has he done? Which I, I think it's a bit of a. Uh, a cliche. I'm not sure if it's true, but the peaking between World Cups um, that, uh, that, that that Schmidt was 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 accused of. Will Farrell get accused of that again? We'll see. Um, but at the moment, look, they've got a great. They've got some. Um, he is he's doing a good job there. Um, but again, he was there for the four years prior to, or at least yeah, four years prior um, to becoming head coach. In the same way that Ian Foster was, I think. Well, Ian Foster was eight eight, eight years actually. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so it was a it was an evolution in, in internally with that one. Um, just to Maniasi uh, Kualiolona, uh, um, sorry I butchered your name there, um, but he's asking, do I have a Moana jersey? No, I don't have a Moana jersey, uh, but I would love to have one for the next live if you fancy giving one. Um, the um, but I'll be honest, oh, why couldn't they have stuck with the jersey they had last year for their exhibition game? That was the that was a very cool distinctive jersey. This one is now a blue jersey. We've got lots of blue jerseys around the world, but we don't have any of that um, of that cloth jersey. Um, I forgot what the what the what, what it was designed, but it was a white. But it was designed like the um, like the Pacific cloth, um, and that was unique and special. Um, sorry, sorry, Bob. Uh, the tupper cloth. Thank you. Um, I'm showing my uh, ignorance coming from the uh, Western Hemisphere um, and uh, up north around the stuff. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a very cool jersey. Um, shame they changed it. Um, finally, then France beat England uh, twenty-five to thirteen. Um, I think we all expected um, that one um, to um, uh, to happen, as you said. Eddie Jones has just not got this attack going with England this uh, this time again. No tries. Uh, oh, sorry, one try um, in this one um, just after half time, but eighteen six half time, and uh, France uh, eased their way in to a. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah to, to a grand slam. Not their sort of scintillating performances in the last two games, but uh, doing what championship teams do, which is make sure they win and look comfortable doing it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Key moment for me. Key moment just before, uh, just before half time. England are, are on attack. They turn a the ball over. France go all the way, all the way downfield, and then they, and cross gets across for the for the try just on half half time, which Germany converts in eighteen six. And you know that was just a bit. It was just a, a bridge too far for England, even though. Um, Stewart came back with a, with a very good try. They came back to five five points, but you almost felt France had another gear to go to, and that's and really um, in that last ten minutes or so, I thought they managed the game very well. I think uh, with uh, France and Ireland, the the key innovation they've actually done is the breakdown, the way they ruck. Uh, there is there, there are large portions of uh, illegal tactics in there, but they get away with it and the referees just don't seem to pay attention. What they do is they actually blow the player straight off their feet, the, the would-be jackler, and they drive them beyond where the ruck is and they take them off their feet and they actually pin them onto the floor. And that allows for the second man coming into the ruck to maintain his feet and allows for what you call LQB, lightning quick ball. If you look at what's happening in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly here in Super Rugby Pacific, uh, we have players who enter into a ruck in what you call a, st- a static mode. They stand up. They don't go past where the ball is. And what this does, uh, when we're up against teams who want to contest the mm-hmm. breakdown, want to contest the ruck, we are susceptible to counter-rucking. Because what happens is our shoulder position is not in a great situation. We're standing quite upright. And uh, the opponents coming into the counter-ruck, they managed to get their shoulders into that waistline area and they drive us over. Now, we saw what happened last year in uh, the all-back season, particularly in the rucks. How many times did we get counter ruck So this is a big, big problem. I see uh, only compounding because uh, in all the Super Rugby Pacific games, I only saw the Crusaders probably do something similar to what the Irish did for about 10 minutes when they were behind um, against uh, Moana Pacifica for a little while. So this is something which particularly the Irish and also the French do really well. The difference between the French and Irish game is that France don't play attack shapes. The very traditional 1-3-3-1. Three, three, one. They just, they're just running. They run into gaps. Whereas Ireland, they tend to play really good shapes. And once they get their forwards really cleaning out and getting fast ball, and I have to give it to uh, Jameson Park. He's done a tremendous job particularly with the type of ball he's getting, he's releasing the packs. Whereas if we look at what uh, some of the Southern Hemisphere sides are doing, we're not doing that. So unless the referees start penalizing the Northern Hemisphere teams for actually going over, off their feet, and actually sealing the player or pinning the player down, um, watch out. I think the balance of power is going to change. The So, yeah, so it's... One of the things I've seen that's been described is that France are playing similar to South Africa um, and uh, they have like the 6-2 bench and they're not playing in their own half um, and kicking everything in it. So they, they play when they're in the opposition half, um, which is an interesting one. Uh, and that's uh, Scott, whereas Ireland are going more of a uh, an Australia route of just trying of, of, of trying to play at pace um, and just play each each phase a little bit quick, each, each, each ruck a bit quicker until it's lightning quick. Um and so that was in the, in the, in the, uh, New Zealand and uh, England are basically stuck in between, not sure which way to go, either a tactical way or, or a fast way. But um, I can see you totally oh, confused with those points, Val. 
I, I have to agree, I disagree very strongly. France, South Africa are not the same. France do not Uber from breakdown to breakdown. Their players actually make more meters than the water carriers and they play fast open rugby. So I don't know where that comparisons come from. Yes, the bench 6-2 breakdown, uh, yeah, absolutely. But the, the French, what they do really well is unstructured rugby. And they just run it. They just run it at pace and they're very, very good at it. So they've, they've probably found their mojo. But let's see how well they can bring this same form line into next year's World Cup. And one of the things that's, that's annoying me so much, especially, uh, well, I mean, obviously, I only see the English, the English media because, or the English language media, sorry, not English media. Um, and uh, all the English language media seem to be going, wow, look what's... Um, Oh, I've gone blank now. It's the um, the English defence coach that's there. Um, the, 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 oh, used to be with Wales. What's his name? Sean Edwards. Sean Edwards. Thank you. Um, so Sean Edwards. Um, yeah, they're like, well, look what Sean Edwards has done with this team. Like, he's the defence coach. He might be the only one you can speak to and actually speaks English. You can understand, but it's not all him. There's this Fabien Galtier and these other French coaches speaking French to the players who have also done a lot of this stuff as well. Um, and so this idea that, yeah, that it's that amongst English media that how Sean Edwards, because, hey, we can understand what he says, um, really does annoy the hell out of me um, and, that, and, and shows a total lack of respect for the French speaking coaches um, that are there uh, in that one. So, um, the, yes, he is part of it, but no one said that everything that Warren Gatlin did was good with Wales was because of Sean Edwards. Right. Um, so, yeah, to me, that's not uh, uh, not 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 fair on the French coaches. Um, cool. Anything else, boys? I think we've covered everything that I wanted to to, to talk about. Uh, listen, it was just a, and just in summary, I think it was just a really great great tournament. There's not too many times over the years we down this end of the world we can be a little bit critical of the of the uh, the Six Nations at, at time and times, and we kind of look at a team. Like uh, like Italy and think, oh, did they deserve to be there? Well, they shoved one up me. I've got to say, and um, <laughs> in, in in that respect, I've been one of the one of the big, their big critics. And boy, I couldn't be more happy happy for them and the style in which they actually won that game. Listen, it wasn't it wasn't penalties or any anything like that. And um, the tournament itself, we've seen some really really good attractive rugby. Yeah, you're sitting rather uncomfortably there, there Stephen. Um, the um, but some. Um... <laughs> And uh, and Noxon writes, yeah, also having a Big Twelve is, is is critical. Look, uh, we've overrun. A discussion point for another day is 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 does New Zealand actually have a twelve in the entire country, um, and uh, do we have a dearth of, of good international twelves globally um, as well? So that's something we're, that that we'll, uh, we'll that we'll peg for another another day. Um, but um, uh, any final points, Bella? Well, what I'd like to see is a bit more innovation from Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, it's just got a little bit stale. Same attack shape, same you know uh, sort of strike moves. So hopefully, uh, with this kind of half a bye week, or be due to COVID, I'd like to see a little bit more innovation and actually really step up in the ruck collision area because that is to me starting to become a real issue. And given that the way the referees are actually policing it in what we saw in Six Nations. They are actually allowing players to fly off their feet, drive beyond the ruck, and actually hold players down. So unless we start resorting to something similar, 
uh, you know, the uh, New Zealand folks, particularly the All Blacks, against some of the uh, uh, top Northern Hemisphere said, we'll probably struggle in the breakdown area. And for me, that's a real concern. And I'd never, ever thought in a million years I'd actually say that, but I have. Hmm. There we go. Uh, this weekend, hopefully, I will get to Moana Pacifica versus the Hurricanes on Friday, if it happens. Um, and uh, also to the uh, Chiefs versus the Crusaders on the um, Saturday as well. So hopefully I'm making it to um, two games uh, this weekend. And uh, also a week on Tuesday, folks, um, there will hopefully, it uh, looks like this um, Moana Pacifica will have to back up and play the Blues after playing on the Friday night. So um, let's, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, that goes um, as well. But uh, thank you very much for listening. And um, catch you all next Monday at 8 p.m. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.